Hi, I'm Ginny. Uh, and I'm Becky. And we are the Irreverent. The Irreverent. So today we have our fabulous uh, first string co-host. Becky's arguing <laughs> with us. And uh, Tim has no voice. Not oh. no voice ever, but Tim is sick and has is coughing and has has a scratchy voice. And And Becky sounds amazing. And she's brilliant. And I need somebody smarter than me always to help me with the podcast. <laughs> so... Welcome, because today, this Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent, and it's mm-hmm. getting, like, um, cozy, Hallmark, gospel Uh We get uh, just chaos and, and fire and earthquakes and all that. It's so great. <laughs> it is not, it's not what you think of when you light the Advent candles. It's not what you think of when you light the Advent candles. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my God, Becky Zartman, I cannot wait for this conversation. So I love apocalyptic thought. I've been obsessed with it since seminary and have been reading obsessively about it since then. So oh oh. I am so grateful. <laughs> um, just to make sure people know, before I read the passage from Isaiah, um, apocalyptic thought is a genre and it is not, it is not, I mean, there is a modern genre that includes zombies, but yes. it is the Greek word means like an unveiling, right? A revealing of a deeper truth than we see or know. Like so, I thought of COVID, like COVID itself as yeah. apocalyptic because it revealed truths about our relationships and our society and what we really thought about how things were, right? Like everything was laid bare. Actually, then there are other ways in which what's also laid bare is God at work. But let's get it. Let's let's wait. Let's look, all of that. look at the text. Okay. 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 So the first reading is from the prophet Isaiah, and it's chapter 64, and it's verses one through nine. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence as when the fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways, but you were angry and we sinned because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hands of our iniquity. Yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider, we are all your people. And there ends the lesson. So 
one thing that's hard to capture when you're reading it, because there are so many words, is right up in the beginning, that first part, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down so that the mountains would quake at your presence, continues with to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. But there's a mm -hmm. little interlude when, when it says that you would tear open the heavens and come down as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil. It's easier to see in writing because you mm -hmm. see there's a big dash. But I love, it's like, yeah, God, come down big time. Not the kind, not like the kind when you sort of work through our actions, but come down mm -hmm. big. You know, like that time when you catch things on fire? Like that's what that captures. Mm -hmm. um, and then the purpose of it, is to make your name known to your adversaries so that the nations might tremble at your presence. It's like, so they'll remember you. They'll see who you really are and that they have been following false gods. And it's beautiful. It's frightening as when the fire causes water to boil. Like this is no like warm, cozy fire. This is super hot fire. <laughs> but this is also another facet of God, right? Like sure. something... I've been thinking about a lot lately is like how we use the word awe and terror and like something that has awe is awesome or awful. Like terror is oh terrific my gosh, I hadn't or terror. And so like, it's in between this kind of like, you want God to be awesome, but you also know that because God is God and God is completely other, that God is also awful at the same time right oh like it's God, this I thought of that fear the lord kind of thing like what are we actually talking about and so for, that reminds me of this well um, and it's like Anne Lamott's thing about we invoke the name of God and the idea of God so blithely but we should be in church wearing crash helmets oh my god yeah. Annie Dillard yeah oh sorry I said Anne Lamott Annie Dillard like <laughs> um we should be lashing ourselves to the pews because mm -hmm. we we prefer a God we have tamed, right? And that mm -hmm. doesn't just mean a God who who likes and loves the same people we love and dislikes and is disappointed in the same people we are. <laughs> we have lost the idea that something can be so great and terrifying and yet also good. Also like Aslan. Yeah, I think that's um, exactly what C.S. Lewis was hitting on there. Yeah, like where she says, um, I don't remember which kids it is, but is he good? Is he safe? Oh, Oof. he is not safe, but he is good. Um, yeah. There's a moment like this in the Eucharistic prayer where we say all the ways we have failed to love one another and to love God, and yet... And so there's this moment, you have hidden your face from us and we have turned against you. Because you hid your face, we transgressed. So that, like, we forgot you. Like, we panicked. And then mm -hmm. we have become like one who is unclean and even our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. And then we get Oh, to that, especially that filthy cloth I know. is just like stab me in the heart. Like, because you know we've been there, right? That's like, we've been like, I just have felt like... A filthy cloth at certain yeah. times in my life. Yeah. And you ache when you feel like that. You ache to be made clean. And then listen to this one. 
We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. So there's another metaphor, like having field all dried and shriveled up here. We are now so deep into fall that the leaf collectors have been here once already oh. and are getting ready to come for their second time. Hmm. Most of the leaves are down and they're crackly and they're dried and shriveled and there is no life in them anymore. And that's what this is. We then wither we and perish, but not changeth thee. Yeah. We wither and perish, and perish but and not, not changeth change thee. <laughs> and yet, O oh Lord, you are our mm. Father. And that, O oh Lord, is the ineffable tetragrammaton. Mm. Yet, O oh Lord, the one whose name means... I will be what I will be. I am becoming what I am becoming. I am. You are our father. So that implies so much hope. Like, mm. because God's name is action, but also this untamable action like fire, right? Mm. Um, it's such a beautiful moment in this. Yet, oh Lord, you are our father. And then this reminds me of my, my, uh, conversations with my mother when I was younger. Do not be exceedingly mm. angry, O Lord. <laughs> Don't be super pissed. Just a little pissed. Um, <laughs> just a little. Or just enough. Um, what should we say about this? What else should we say about this? Do you want to hear a uh, three-minute synopsis of yes. how I understand the prophets? Yes. Okay, so... I see each major prophet as responding to a different crisis. Right. So Isaiah, first Isaiah is responding to the Assyrians. And then um, Jeremiah is responding to the Babylonians. But there's another version of Isaiah. It's been edited and is made up in reflection of like what's happening with the Babylonians. Right. And then you add Ezekiel, which is happening while they're in exile. And, but the thing that kills me every time to think about is this idea that when they came home, there was a crisis too. And they were all responding to that crisis. Right. Remember like there's famine, everything is it's awful. Like it's literally like fires in the streets. Like it's just awful. Awful. And it's they not, come home. They've been longing to come home. Yep. And it's not forever. what they imagined coming home would be. It's not like no, not at all. Christmas. The pain is especially exquisite because what's kept you going is this idea that it will be just like when you left. Mm. And nothing is the same. Yeah. Like all these questions, every single time these works get revisited and reused, it's all ask, asking the same question. Like, where are you, God? Right. Like, where have you been? Yeah, you hid your face from us. Mm-hmm. But there's also this beautiful recognition that we have become like one who is unclean. Like you hid your face from us. Mm. But while you hid your face from us, we transgressed and we became like a filthy cloth. It's not like... We waited patiently upon the Lord and did all. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but 
what I love is that hopefulness in it. Mm -hmm. Do not remember our inequity forever. Now consider we are all your people because the author knows who God is and just lays himself out. Remember, I know who you are. Mm. I've used your name. I remember your name. You created us and we are your people. And it's so sweet because it's like, it's like the puppy dog eyes, you know, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that look up at you. You, it, it's, it's like relying on God, remembering who God is and who we are, that we are just clay. That's beautiful. Well, shall we um, <gasps> take a look, see at the really, uh, Woo. A fun one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, you know, before I really was, um, I don't know, back when I was just going to church and didn't really notice all the patterns, I totally would have thought that Advent would start with like the, the angel coming to Mary or even this the story from mm. Matthew where the angel comes to Joseph. I really thought mm. it was just the opening stories of Christmas and it would be all like Christmas carol but no, mm-hmm. it is not. And I like to think of Christmas as our consolation prize for that the second coming hasn't happened. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about that. Advent <laughs> is not just lighting the candles on the Advent wreath, like your Christmas wreath and preparing for Christmas. And it's not just an alternative to the Christmas shopping season. It is, Advent is its own season that is a time of preparation for Jesus' coming. For Jesus coming as a baby, yes, but for Jesus coming back. And we, just sort of as a culture, we never think of that latter part. We are much happier thinking, frankly, we're much happier thinking of Advent as a shopping season for Christmas. But but even if we try to think of it religiously, we are much more comfortable thinking about preparing for Jesus's birth, like thinking about Mary and Joseph and and their struggles and and all of that. And and Mary visiting her cousin Elizabeth, which is also so important. Um, We do not want to think at all about the second coming. And That's something, um, Becky, you have done a lot more thinking uh, about (laughs) that than I have. Something I really like about taking a more apocalyptic take is there's been a lot of commentary in the past couple of years about couples experiencing infertility Mm -hmm. and how painful Advent is for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. Like it's just, it's just heartrending to be in this place where people might be asking me, when are you going to have a baby? You know, like all of that space. And then, you know, they are waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. And, um, and then even we have Elizabeth who's, who's clearly uh, experienced infertility herself and she gets pregnant with a miracle baby. Yeah. And so it's like right there, like in your face. And so for me, remembering that God is coming to fix all of that garbage mm-hmm. is really important to me. Mm-hmm. Like and this what's is, required of it is not, which we'll hear in a minute, in mm-hmm. order to fix all that stuff, 
it's not just like a filthy cloth that can get thrown in the washer. <laughs> it it means something has to die and burn away. Not punishment pain, but like birth pangs, like Mm-hmm. something really new and amazing cannot be born unless there's space for it. And then mm. the reality of life is that something really grand, like a new human being coming to life doesn't mm. actually come without pain. And so with that, like uh tilling of the soil to get us started, do you want to read Mark? Awesome. Uh, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. But in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the son of man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. So this is not the sparkly light a candle and it's all quiet uh, Advent reading we might think. It's the sun is dark and the moon will not give its light and the stars start falling from heaven. And <laughs> the powers of heaven... Mm-hmm will be shaken so let's talk about this and and tell us about apocalyptic thinking and tell us about this and what you've been thinking about okay so the first thing is when we look at the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light like you know it's serious because at that time people thought of celestial bodies as personified and so like this is like the stars are dying. They're falling out of heaven. Like the heavens are shaking. Like this is not, (laughs) this is a huge deal. Like, and you're going to know that this is coming. Well, they also thought their cosmology was that there was a dome in the sky Mm. and the dome held back the waters. And (laughs) so if the heavens are shaking and the stars are falling, the whole structure of everything is collapsing. Exactly. It is, it's not even like just a regular flood or something. It is the whole cataclysmic. Yeah. And, and the structure they had come to rely on is crumbling. That feels very 
modern. That feels very much like mm. something we have to learn. That what we think of as bedrock, you know, democracy, mm. uh, capitalism, you know, people respecting international borders, for example. Mm -hmm. Those things are crumbling. And we don't know how to cope with that. We don't even know how to process that. And that's that's the level that this means by saying the stars are falling from heaven. That's what it meant for them. Just everything um, is collapsing. Okay, so what's the son of man coming in clouds? Okay, so that's a reference to uh, Daniel 7. I like to think about the book of Daniel, which is the only true apocalypse that's in Hebrew scriptures. Like there were lots of apocalypses being written at this time, but Daniel is the only one that made it in. And it's kind of this weird oddball in Hebrew scriptures. I like to think of it as having two parts. So the first part is the Sunday school part, right? Which is kind of optimistic. Right. There's like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in the furnace, but they're fine. Right. Daniel and the lion's den, like, right. like they can work within these structures, right? But then Daniel 7 comes, and from 7 through 12, it is a full-blown apocalypse. And it kicks off with this vision that there's all these monsters and beasts doing their thing, and then God comes down um, with great power and glory. And it just... It's showing this inbreaking, like everything is so incredibly bad that only God can fix it. Right. So we get um, in in you said Daniel seven is the only apocalyptic literature, full you know, true apocalyptic literature in the Hebrew scriptures. But in the New Testament, we have Revelation. Oh yeah, which have, quotes this part uh, in the first chapter. Right. So it would clue people in who knew these. Mm -hmm. um, this is what we're doing. One thing that apocalypses have in common is that they involve a mediated message. Like there is so like in Daniel, the archangel Michael comes and helps Daniel understand what's uh, going on. And so so that's the uh, revealing part. Yeah. And so it's easy to see how you might extrapolate, oh, it's apocalyptic to like, you know, things right. are apocalyptic. <laughs> right. Yeah. So so I'm thinking also about the um who is it that gets invited to, has a vision and they see God's hem, God's robe filling the temple. That's like, Isaiah six. So so they're given sometimes it's just that they're given a peek behind the curtain. At, yeah. Like to borrow like a metaphor from when you and I were last together on this, which was Wizard of Oz. Oh, Wizard of Oz. They get a peek behind the curtain at what's really real. Mm -hmm. That the 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 struggle going on in the cosmic world is one that we can't normally see. And that, mm -hmm. and we're given a little peek at God's glory, or a peek at the war going on between the angels and the powers of darkness, or whatever. But here, my sense in Mark, because Jesus says, "Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away." There is a sense here that what we're looking at is that 
the the cosmos as you understand it is going to pass away but god's word mm-hmm. will continue on through it um so let's um so another thing apocalyptic thought does is that it plays with time and space mm-hmm. and what it does is it helps us see things on a bigger scale mm-hmm. like this is not the next 4 years the next 8 years this is not <laughs> you know, right. a lifetime. This is not, this is huge, right? Like right. we're cosmic talking about time. getting to the end, cosmic right. time. And when you do that, it's like the effect of like standing next to the ocean and realizing you're just a drop in it. Right, right. Like just like you recontextualize right. time. You also recontextualize space, heaven and earth kind of smash together. Right. And show this different reality than what we can see here. Right. That's really helpful because we live our lives in a, in a human scale. And mm-hmm. so it's really hard to do this without thinking Hollywood special effects and, and all of that. And, and mm-hmm. what I find so comforting, though, is my words will not pass away. Mm-hmm. Feels like just this through line of whatever else is happening in this huge scope of time and space. The through line is God is still present, speaking these words of light and comfort and truth and, you know, and beauty. And that's just really beautiful. I guess. And remember in Christianity, who the word is. Yes, yes, of course. And so then here's Mm -hmm. Jesus saying, but my Mm -hmm. words will not pass away. So um, I was reading a commentary the other day and it blew my mind. It was by Eugene Boring, which is the worst name for a biblical commentator I I could possibly think of, but he's really fabulous. Anyway, what he argues is that this is actually the chronological end to Mark. Hmm. Right. This is where Mark should have ended. (laughs) This is where Mark should have ended, but he doesn't, right? Like he doesn't. um, And partially, I think it's because like, that's not where Mark lives. Like they're still waiting for Jesus to come back. We're still waiting for Jesus to come back. We don't actually live here yet. Right. Mm -hmm. But there is this vision and of something totally different Mm -hmm. and so while mark leaves us on a cliffhanger like they went away the women went away and said right Right. (laughs) and of course what i find hilarious about that ending of mark where the women left and didn't (laughs) tell anyone is that of course they didn't because here we are two thousand years later right um you know so um well and plus we have the other gospels anyway but that is just really profound so what so tell us becky why when i said i don't think of apocalyptic literature and images like this when i light the advent candle tell us what tell us what you think about when you're lighting the advent candles and why it brings you hope or then you said you thought of it as a con- christmas is a consolation prize say more about that cuz that's so fascinating um I have a friend who is a priest who once told me, she goes, you know, I used to think, Jesus, you could wait a couple more years 
and then come back and it would, that would be pretty good. But now I think, wow, I wish Jesus would come back now. And I think it's just mm. like, I, I think about all of the things that you and I experience along with other people like it is like life is beautiful it's also death at the same time right and so there is so much injustice and suffering and always has been but every times by that I mean epics every you know epic of time thinks they're in the end times because it's so bad it's so bad Mm -hmm. It's so bad. And there's no, and there's this apocalyptic thought isn't just about, you know, God coming back. It's also God coming back and bringing justice. Mm-hmm. Like there's this, there is almost all apocalyptic thought has this forensic, like, I am going to set wrongs right, right. kind of vibe to it, which is scary to me, right? <laughs> Because, of, sure. you know, just like my social, like where I am and everything else. And then I also remember that the person who's going to judge me also created me and loves me. Yeah, it's not. W- w- Tim and I have been talking about this on some episodes. I am very aware that I am also a broken human being who hurts other people. Hopefully, mostly unintentionally by my actions, <laughs> but also by participating in systems that oppress and and Mm -hmm. destroy the environment and all of that. But I still cast my lot with God's justice because God is also beautiful and loving and created us and knows how hard it is to be human. And, And we as Christians believe that God now knows intimately and directly how difficult it is to be human and what it is to fear and be hungry. And I'm willing to take that risk. I'm willing because I trust so much that, that God, the God who cares the most about the poor and the weak and the sick and the suffering and the imprisoned, that's the God I want to cast my lot with. And I know it might not, it might still burn for me. But man, that's the God I I love and believe in, and that's and that's captured in this beautiful, beautiful moment of my words will not pass away. I'm like I'm just going to hold on to that man. No, no, but what that does, what it does is set us free. So if we know in our heart that like we have this, like we just somehow God has helped us understand that there will be an end and there will be justice. Right. That gives me the freedom to figure out how to act now. Right. Like, so the apocalypse is actually about how we act now, knowing that the apocalypse is going to come. Right. It's, it's manipulating time and space and all of that, which you said, which is so helpful to give us a peek at what's really at the, at this whole story. And that, knowing that God's word endures, and that is the word of a God who is creative and loving, and God's justice is about taking care of one another, that we can trust Mm -hmm. that. And then that's what this keep awake stuff is. You Mm -hmm. have to participate in it. 
we aren't just water skiing behind uh, holding on to this word you know and letting it pull us <laughs> along and and like all we're doing is just holding on for dear life though i imagine there are times when that's what it is for us where all we're doing is holding on to this word for dear life but the keep awake part of this mm. is is what we're called to do now Mm -hmm. And and, you know, Jenny, for me, um, that is sainthood. Like the only difference between me and the saints is that they actually understand it and they go for broke. Right. They go for broke. Right. Unleashed. No, I get it because at least for me, like I, you know, not just because we're priests, but I really have tried to give myself over to this narrative, to this, it's not mm. just a narrative, this reality. And mm-hmm. yet I am still hemmed in by my own fears. Mm. You know, I still, you know, there are ways in which I have lessened my grip on safety. Mm. Times when I have been Ginny Unleashed, I still hold on and I don't go for broke I don't know (laughs) I could go for moderate income (laughs) (laughs) well I mean the thing about it is like when people actually go for broke they make everyone around them very uncomfortable (laughs) right Right. (laughs) it's really really upsetting um I was talking with a friend of mine uh the other day and I was like man and we were talking about jobs and how basically every church asks for Jesus. I mean, yes. You know you like every single thing yep. only Jesus could do it. Right. And then he's like, "You know what? I don't think any church would actually hire Jesus." Yes, right. Like can you imagine Jesus in a vestry meeting? Oh, no, no one yes. is hiring Jesus. <laughs> well, and frankly, when you find someone who is living that authentically free, it is both attractive, deeply attractive, and frightening because you know you could be and you're not. And, mm. and that is, I think, what we're called to. So let's do a let's do electio mm. and you get to pick because you're the guest. Mm. Then he will send out the angels. And gather his elect from the four winds, oh. from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. God, there's something about that line. He will gather his elect from the four winds. You know, it captures that metaphor from Isaiah about the leaves that have died and and mm. and have gone into the winds. What was the line? Um, we all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. And now here, they're going to gather us from the four winds, Becky. And it's like, it also reminds me of, it's got a big Psalm 139 vibe for me, which is like, oh. there's no place you can go. Right. Where, can where you God cannot gather you together. God, that's good news. So, so, but we've had a lot of this conversation about what it deeply says to us. But one of Mm -hmm. the last steps of Lectio is what does this call you to do? And we do that on the podcast. We sort of rethink that as what is the blessing that um, arises for you from this? And I'm going to go first because it's just so 
in me is I right now want to bless anyone who feels like they are a crackling, dried up leaf blowing in the winds. Because that, because there are people in the world right now, Becky, you know, in Gaza or Ukraine or refugee camps around the world or just everywhere or in, in their own homes, in marriages or relationships or jobs or things where, where they just feel like there is no life in them and they are just blown by the winds. And my blessing for them is to hear that God will gather you from the four winds. The angels will find you. What's yours? I bless the hope. Like that's what apocalypse is for. It's for hope. Mm. And that umbrella of hope protects us from all these things that are happening right. around us and pulls us into um, another another world. Yeah, the rea- the real world, right? That this big cosmic mm-hmm. time and space. I want to bless you, Becky, for bringing us <laughs> that vision yourself of like helping us just at a very basic level understand that apocalyptic thought is meant to play with time and space to show us this big the cosmic picture that just it's just simple and helpful um but i want to bless you jenny because a very long time ago uh the first time I ever heard you preach, you came to Commonplace at the Georgetown campus and you preached about holy imagination oh. and about how you can't be good without being able to imagine you right. being good. And apocalyptic thinking is like that. Oh, thank you. Right. It is cr- a crazy vision like that. And we tend not to do that with our hopefulness we tend to try to be moderate in our hopefulness well thank you I'm so touched that like something I did helped you see something like oh God's look at how God's word endures forever Mm -hmm. oh well thank you well thank you for being with us today and it it's so great. And Tim and I are grateful and our listeners are grateful. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. And may you have a blessed Advent, all apocalyptically, apocalyptic um, <laughs> You too, lady. <laughs> so uh, Tim and I will see you next week, but we thank you. Thank you for listening and tell a friend and, um, And we'll see you next week. And we'll see you, Becky, when we get you back. Absolutely. You know where to find me. Yep, I do. Okay. I mean, you know, you're like a family guest. (laughs) I'm going to make you do the dishes. Yeah. Yeah, I'll come over and open the fridge and just yes, get you can exactly. That's the kind of guest and you can help me make dinner and clean up after dinner. That's the kind of guest you are.